Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. And there they are. Good morning, online people. If you are joining us from wherever you are this morning, you're so welcome. And um, I'm a bit boomy there, if you could help me with that. Are we all good? Yeah? Goodness me. The, um, just before we start, thank you for coming last week. If you haven't, I, I wrote a book. It's really good, isn't it? For those of you who've got it. Um, you can get it today, 9 95 or 2 for 20 quid. That's a special offer. And, uh, <laughs> what's wrong with that? <laughs> Coming up to Christmas and all. Cost of living crisis, doing my best to help. And uh, if you're watching online, uh, you can order it on, on Amazon in America, Canada, Australia, uh, all the way through Europe and all the rest of it. And uh, so there you go. It's really good. So thank you for, and if you haven't bought it, buy it. That would be really helpful. Um, so, and if you're visiting with us this morning, you're really welcome too, right? And if you're not visiting with us, you're welcome. <laughs> and uh, should we get into the Bible? Would that be helpful? Okay, good. Um, I, I've been talking, for those of you who don't know, as a church family, we're going to be homeless in about six months, and which is really encouraging when you think about, when you say it out loud like that, you know, it's, um, it's really exciting, isn't it? <laughs> Homeless, you know, like the littlest hobo, remember that? Remember the wee dog? Used to run around and, you know, that could be us. And <laughs> on the streets, desolate. Uh, the Lord knows what he's doing because I really don't. And so uh, that should give you great, great confidence this morning. And so, <laughs> so what I've been thinking about, I've been, I've been talking to you from the book of Esther and it's, it's kind of like our journey as church, but it's also for you this morning because... Uh, Whenever you um, come to the Word of God, whatever your situation is, the Word of Grace will change you forever. It will change every situation in a moment. Do you get that? And one touch, the, the Bible is full of people who just touched Jesus once and forever they were changed. Like just one touch, just reaching out and touching the Lord. And in that moment, everything changed for them. And I don't know what you've come in here with this morning. I don't know what's going on with you. I don't know what your situation is. But one thing I do know is that the Lord knows. He knows every bit of it. And I want to continue, I'm going to be sort of bouncing around the book of Esther. Uh, as I'm in week three of this, actually, I'm going to do one more week next week. No, I'm not. We've got Jill and Paul Van Opstal from Brazil next week. Don't miss that. That's absolutely fantastic. Brilliant preachers of grace, great teachers all the way from Brazil, and uh, they're going to be here. And so, but I, I, want to, I want to talk about something. I want to build on something I said last time around, and I want to ask you to challenge your perspective this morning, Okay challenge your view of things, because I'm going to show you the nature of the, uh, the battle that you're in and actually what the Lord says in grace about it. I was talking, you know, you know I've been taking young Adam, who's, Adam's away preaching this weekend in Scotland, uh, which is great, and um, doing a whole weekend of, of teaching, which will knacker him out, but that's good. Good for him, you know, character building. And, uh, but you know, no way I've been taking him to the gym, because he, he needs to, all right, I'm going to get away with it because he's not here. So I've been taking him to the gym because he really doesn't, I know he says a lot and he looks pretty good, but listen, it's a mess. It's a mess underneath it all. So I've been helping him out. And, um, and it was funny because I, I was saying to the girls, you know, I've been, I'm about six or eight weeks into my gym journey and I'm starting to feel like underneath all this, there, there are things changing, slow but sure. And so we were talking to the girls about it yesterday and Penny was keeping them going, going, look at daddy, do you think like he's changing? And uh, like in all that. <laughs> And the, uh, Hope was like, hmm. And uh, Sophie looked at me dead serious. She looked me up and down, I guess. She went, you know, I think you are, Daddy. And I went, really? She went, 
You're starting to look a wee bit like Ray Bevan. <laughs> and I went, I went, he's 74. She went, I know, but you just, you look a wee bit like Ray Bevan. <laughs> I was like, oh, Jesus, this is, this is going the wrong way, completely going the wrong way. It did make me laugh, and uh, it, was, it was funny. It did make me, did make me chuckle. But um, I thought if, if ever, like, perspective is important. Sophie, do you know what? This is a time where perspective is really important. You, you need a change in perspective. And so if you have a Bible, open with you in Esther 2, because I'm going to talk about your perspective and your view on things this morning and get you to consider what the Word says, because in Esther 2, 15 through 18, what I said last time, I'm going to recap on this point because it's really important, and then I just want to build a couple of points on top of that. Uh, in Esther 2, this is the story of a young woman who finds favor with God. And the last time I spoke, I said, you know, you've got to find God's favor. You've got to live in the favor of God. And because that is the way that grace operates. Grace is not about you plus, you know, like wait until your back's against the wall and then, you know, you'll find, you know, you run to God. It's like your whole life is meant to be built around the finished work of Jesus. And, you know, Esther, she finds herself in this competition because the king has uh, fallen out with his queen because she won't come to him. And so like, he, he sets out a competition in the land to say, right, you know, I, I want a new queen. And there's about 1,400 young women who compete for the king's favor. And what I said is in overwhelming odds, if you think in your life that the, the odds are overwhelming, it's not just like what it does is it's not, you shouldn't feel afraid about that. What you should do is go, thank goodness, all right, that I don't have to live by the, the view of the world and the way that the world works. You know, if you're trying to live today based on the way that the world system works, you're living the wrong way. That is not the way God designed it for you. You were called in favor, you were saved in favor, and now you're called to live in favor. And, it, and when you have that view, when you put your trust completely in the grace and the favor of God, you will go places. You don't have to depend on everything that the world depends on. And that should bring rest to your heart. Do you get that? You don't have to compete. You don't have to push. You don't have to think, God, you know, how do I get into position here? When you're marked by favor, then God puts you in the right time at the right place if you'll trust him. And he will get you to where you're going to need to be. Do you get that? You're going you're to find yourself in the right place because uh, this is what it says in Psalm 62, 5 through 8. And, and it was actually the, the good news version. I love this version. He says, I depend on God alone. I put my hope in him. He alone protects and saves me. He is my defender and I shall never be defeated. Hello? My salvation and honor depend what? On God. He is my strong protector. He is my shelter, right? Your job or your money, your pension or whatever is not your protection. It's not your shelter. Do you get that? Your hope, it says here, is in God alone. Trust in God at all times, my people. Tell him all of your troubles because he is your refuge. And it's that sense of, you know, there's, there's something about receiving the, the grace of Jesus into your life which, which sets the which gives you a view, sets the view for you on what is actually your, your area of struggle. Do you get that? Where you actually have to put your, 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 your concentration. Let me explain it. In the book of Esther, Mordecai represents Jesus, while Haman, uh, the evil guy, dun, 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 he represents the Antichrist, okay? 
And so that, I explained this, but for those of you who weren't there, Haman is the king's kind of evil second in command, right? So that you have the king and this guy Haman, he's kind of running the show and he was a descendant of a gag, the Bible tells us. And you think, well, so what? What does that mean for me? Well, Agag was the king of the Amalekites, and they were always the ancient enemies of God's people, all the way through the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 25, whenever the children of Israel are leaving and coming out of Egypt, when God is starting to deliver people out of slavery into freedom, because that's what the whole um, Exodus story is about. It's about where God starts to put his, his hand and release people out of bondage. The picture for us is clear, isn't it? It's the same thing that whenever Jesus touches us and he, he starts to move us out of that place of bondage into freedom, what happened is there's an enemy that comes. And in, in the physical world here in the Old Testament, it was the Amalekites. And that, that's important because the Amalekites would kill the children, the elderly, those who retired, those who would kind of straggle a little bit. And God was very clear with them. Never tolerate the Amalekites. Don't tolerate them. I mean, God was absolutely clear in this, as he is with us today. Why? Because there's an important reason why. Saul, King Saul, didn't kill the Amalekites when God told him to. So God says, in your life, don't tolerate the Amalekites. And he says this to Saul, and Saul bottles it. He doesn't do it. And eventually, now here's the thing, in Saul's life on the Mount of Gilboa in 2 Samuel, eventually it's an Amalekite that will kill him. So whenever God said, don't tolerate this, he doesn't do it and it ends up killing him. Do you get the picture? And you kind of go, well, what does that mean? Well, Amalekite, Amal in Hebrew means to labor hard. It means to labor with pain. It speaks of what? Of not of evil and all that kind of stuff. It speaks of fleshly effort and this anxious, anxious feeling that everything is up to you. Do you get that? That's why in, in, in whenever God says, don't tolerate it, right? Don't tolerate it. Because what happens is the Amalekites speak of the flesh. It speaks of your effort towards God and your effort towards life. And God says to his people all the way back in the Old Testament for, for, for telling grace, he says, don't tolerate that at all. Why? Because you were called to live in favor and not by fleshly effort. And if you try to live by fleshly effort, it's gonna kill you. Why? Because that's not the way it works. That's not what it's all about. And it's interesting that this story here, you know, it's, if you don't kill fleshly effort, is the picture of the story. It's not, it starts off by robbing your peace of mind. Do you get that? It's not like you walk out in front of a bus and the bus hits you, like the glider, right? Boom, G1, and out you go, right? You know, dragging you off by the ankles. That's the name of the bus, right? That's not what's going to happen, all right? What happens when you, when you don't, like when you're called in grace, and you know what is amazing about grace? It only ever you know, when people say to me, well, what's this grace? And well, what do you do? And I go, well, what I do is I lift my eyes up to Jesus and go, what has he done? Right? Like grace, how do you know that you're listening to grace? It always elevates the person of Jesus and his work. It doesn't elevate the flesh. Why? Because the Lord had already said, don't tolerate flesh in your life. All right? Don't. It's going to kill you. But it doesn't, it's not like, when we hear that, you might go, well, does that mean like I'm just going to be like a goner? No, it, you know where it starts? It starts by robbing you of your peace of mind. Right? Worry. Isn't that right? Anxious thoughts. Things where that you, you sit and you're driving along and, and, and your thoughts start to go a million places. And for everyone, it's different. 
But your thoughts will go here, they'll go there, it'll be fear, it'll be worry, it'll be condemnation, it'll be shame, it'll be guilt. And what will happen is it's all about your flesh. And then that starts to cause proper anxiety and worry. It can make you sick, physically sick or mentally sick. It can do all that kind of, that's the process that starts to happen. And then eventually that stress will kill you. And so the thing is, it's not about subduing our flesh. In, in religion, and I, and I know for many years, like people would say, just kill your flesh. You can't. Has anyone ever tried to do that? How'd that work out for you? Oh, I promise, I promise you, Lord, I'm not going to do it again. Anyone? Promise you, Jesus, I'm going to be better next time. Oh, I've got that wrong. But you know what, Lord? I am really going to try. Fingers crossed and everything. Anybody? How'd that work out? that working out well for you? Feeling like an overcomer? Feeling like you're flipping, I've got, I got this. Don't you worry, Jesus, I've got this. That's essentially what you're saying, right? Anyone fall flat on their face eventually when you try to do that? Yeah, because you weren't built for that. And so what happens here is that, you know, you know this is not, I'm not preaching. I, all I'm saying is this, you will never subdue your flesh because you're not strong enough. It's not a battle between the spirit and the flesh in you. There is no battle. The battle's done. Get your eyes up and look at Jesus and receive grace upon grace every day. Receive the gift of no condemnation and the flesh will deal with itself. Do you get that? Because you're not born after the flesh. You're not a sinner this morning. You might have sinned, but that doesn't make you a sinner. Not according to the word of God. The word of God says that what you were born again into righteousness and put on righteousness every day. So can, can you just release yourself? I, I was taught for many years, there is a battle between you and your sinner man or whatever it was. Sinful nature, is that what it is? Yeah. It's like this cosmic yin and yang battling its way on the inside of you. And that's why you keep messing it up, right? That doesn't help me. Number one, because it's not the truth of the gospel. Whenever Jesus saved you and it says you were made a brand new creation, what do you think new creation means? Because when you look at the original language, what it means is you were created into something which never existed before. And what we need is we need a perspective change so you don't look at me and see Ray Bevan this morning, right? Because that's horrendous. <laughs> what we need is a perspective change that looks from the perspective of heaven and looks at the perspective of Jesus and his grace in my life and only takes its, its pointer from there. Does that make sense? Okay, good. You feeling encouraged yet? Okay, good, because what happens here is that when you look at Haman, who's the baddie, dun, every time I say Haman, could you just go dun, dun, dun? That would actually be quite good crack, right? Let's practice that. So Haman. Awesome, there, now we're cooking, right? Now we're actually moving, that's brilliant, all right? So, so Haman, Haman actually hated, there we go, sorry. Dun, dun, dun. Haman actually hated, the, I, I just imagine Tom Knight and all those boys in Nineveh sitting this morning and, God knows what are, going, da, 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 go for it, Tom. <laughs> All right. right. So what's interesting, remember what Haman is a picture of? Don't do that, it's going to annoy me now. <laughs> right? It was funny once, but it's not funny now. All right. Haman hates the Jews. Why? <laughs> Sorry, that's enough. It says, it says actually that, that he wanted them to buy and to pay. The H-man wanted them to bow and, and pay homage, right? Oh, there's a can of worms being opened here and it's all gone wrong, right? And it wasn't just a courtesy bow, remember I told you. Haman literally wanted Mordecai to worship him, but Mordecai refused. 
because Mordecai knew that he would have no other gods before the true God. Think of Jesus in the temptations here, okay? When the, when the devil comes along and, and starts to go worship me, bow to me. And the whole point is this. It's this beautiful picture for us, right? Because what happens is then when he can't get Mordecai to bow, he turns his attention to all of God's people. And he says, I'm going to destroy them all. Because it wasn't just about his position. It was about you will bow down and worship me. Now, think about that, what the Lord's saying to you. That is a picture of grace. In your, when grace comes and then the flesh goes, no, in every situation, worship me. Put me at the center, says the flesh, right? Not what the Lord says. Do you get that? Not, not even what the Lord says. Actually, put Jesus in the center. And so that's why there is so, And so I, I want to encourage you today. Do you know that what sits at the root of many of the difficulties and the things that you're facing? It's not, it is not that we don't live in a spiritual battle. I believe that. I believe that there are spiritual things that happen in this world. There are principalities and powers, as Paul describes. But what I do believe is that when God puts his hand on his people, they are safe and they are protected under the shadow of his wings. Do you get that? I absolutely believe if people who are not believers in Jesus today, they face battles that we don't face. I, get, I believe there's common grace for all, but I believe there's a special place of safety and protection for the people of God. Go read Psalm 91. I'm safe under the shadow of his wings. Look at Jesus in John 17 in the high priestly prayer when he's praying about you and me in that beautiful place of intimacy with his father and he's praying about you and me in John 17. And he says, Father, I pray that you would keep them. And the word is to hold them, preserve them and protect them. This is Jesus himself praying to the father about you and me going, what? protect them. Do you think God would go, I don't know if he's enough faith for that prayer? Honestly, like that's a nice sentiment, but you know what? I'm going to let them loose and just they're going to take their chances. You've got to walk believing in the favor of God every day that he's gone before you to protect you physically, emotionally, spiritually, and every other way. Why? Because you're good? No, because he promised it for you. He's good that way. Do you get that? I believe that. I believe that when my kids go out to school, when Ben goes out in the car, that he is protected because God has put his hand on him as one of his children said, he's mine and I'm going to look after him. And so, but what you see is that's not your battle. Don't turn your battle that way because here in the word and particularly for where we're at as a church, it's like, it's not going to be about that. Your battle tomorrow morning is rooted in what? Will you bow down to the flesh? Whenever Jesus has said, only give me and my favor, the rightful place. And that's where the enemy's subtle. Do you get that? Because he, he can't, you know, I absolutely believe this. The enemy can't put his hand on you. That's good. If someone say amen, you'd be, oh, 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 all that kind of stuff. Brilliant. Knock yourself out. He can't touch you. You are a child of the king of kings. You know, you set a table before me, Psalm 23 says, in the presence of my enemies. Do you know what that means? That means, but when they sat that table, right? It was a picture in the temp, of, the, of the temple. Whenever the, the, the table was set and you were, um, because they used to eat outside, if you were a guest of, of the king, you would, you would have probably eaten outside and the table was laid and your enemies had to stand. Everyone had to stand and see you sit at the king's table. Do you get that? And they couldn't come near you. Why? Because you're under the protection of the king. You lay a table before me, the Lord says, in the, prote in the presence of my enemies. That means your enemies are all around, but when they look at you, they go, I can't touch him. Why? Because the king has got his hand on him. 
Somebody say amen. What are you worrying about? Change your perspective to one of I depend on the favor of God. Why? Because that's what it means to be his son. That's what it means to be his daughter. Do you know that whenever you were saved that way, Jesus gave you special privileges? We walk around like, oh, 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 oh poor old me, and blessed be the name of the Lord, and he gives me, takes away. No, hold on a second. You have privileges that other people don't have. You have rights that other people don't have. Why? Because it's a gift of grace. It's a gift of unearned favor. And you go, I don't deserve it. No, you don't. And you'll never earn it either. But you've got to change your perspective to go, if I don't have a favor-minded view of the world, if I don't have a Jesus-centered view of the world, my only other option is flesh. And the Lord says, the flesh will kill you. Don't. Okay? Do not tolerate it. Right? Does not mean fight it. It means turn your attention and put it on Jesus. Amen. Is anyone encouraged? Brilliant. I am anyway. So here's the thing. Saying all that, right? So it says here, uh, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Azarias. So he's, it's, he's described as this truly evil wee man, right? Um, I, I just see, with Haman, I just see like the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That's what goes off in my head. You know that? The movie that scarred a generation. Anyone? Still, if you haven't seen it, don't. It'll scar you, right? Mm, lollipops and all that. He, he hated the Jews, and he wanted to destroy them. Okay? And what's really happening here is really, really interesting. My second point is this today. See, even when you've heard that this morning, do you go, yeah, that's really good? Amen? And then you look at your life and it's going the wrong way. It's going backwards. Has anyone ever received a promise of God's grace and then your life goes the wrong way? Or it looks like it's going the wrong way? Anyone? No? You guys are amazing. All right? so every, time I, every time I feel like I get something like of a promise from God, I kind of see my circumstances start to fight it. Anyone? Okay. Because this is going to be a really short point if you are going, no, Andrew, honestly. Every time I receive grace, what happens is I just go like this here, all right? And it's just my, my whole life. It's just glory to glory, grace to grace. Because I want to, I wanna, this is an important word for somebody, okay? Even when things in your life seem to worsen, I want you to trust that God is still working. Do you get that? Because maybe when you look and you go, look, that's all fine, Andrew, I hear it. But at the minute, the trajectory for me and what I'm looking at is not going the right way. Now, I, I want to say something because there's, there's something here in this story which is incredible. You've got to trust at every moment that God has something better for you. And your declaration has got to be, you know, God only ever works favor in the life of his children. Only. That's his only term of reference. Grace to grace and glory to glory. And so at any particular time, when we look at our circumstances and we go, yeah, I hear that, but this is going, right? We've got to come to the point where we go, you know, it could be protecting you from something, I'm going to talk about that, or it could be working something bigger. But if you have faith that you favor with God, you'll know how to give him praise, like I talked about in, in week one, so that your, your breakthrough comes. But let me tell you this. If you only, this is why the Lord says, don't, don't, do not solely live by your five senses. If you don't know what's the flesh look like, it's normally what I can, I, I'm going to get this wrong, see, feel, hear, touch, taste, that, okay. Got there eventually, right? But if you're just living naturally with your five senses, you won't see it whenever God's working. 
Let me say that again. If you only ever live by the flesh and by your senses, you're not going to see it whenever God's working. Why? Because Hebrews 11, 6 says what? You need faith to please God. You need faith. You need trust to see God. Let's have a look at what it looks like in the story. Turn to Esther 3 with me. We're going to look at verses 12 through 13. This, the king, king's scribes were called on the 13th day of the first month, and a decree was written according to all that Haman commanded. To the king's satraps, don't know what they are, but they obviously had a job to do. To the governors who were over each province, to the officials of all people, to every province according to its script, and to every people in their language. In the name of King Azarius, it was written and sealed with the king's signet ring. I'll tell you why that's important. Whenever the kings made a law in those days, they couldn't be over, they, they couldn't be rolled back. Do you get that? Only, like no, nobody's going to be able to go, the king said that, but you know, we're going to do something different. It was final, and nobody could change it apart from the king. And the letters were sent by couriers into all of the king's provinces to destroy, to, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women. In one day, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their possessions, their possessions. Now, so what happens here is that the king makes a law and there's a death sentence put on God's people. And it's going to be on the 13th day of the 12th month in Adar. And so what happens is they actually decide on this particular day that the Jews would be annihilated, God's people would be annihilated, and everything that they have is going to be plundered. Why? Because they won't bow to Haman. And it's actually interestingly that, you know, the whole thing of Friday the 13th? When you look at it, this is where the, kind of the origins of the whole ooh, Friday the 13th, 13th thing came from. Just by the by, just a wee bit of extra knowledge there for you. Okay. But the point is this. Like God is going to turn a day of evil and turn it into one of victory and celebration. Because God will use, whenever things seem to be going backwards, you have to trust that God is setting you up in that moment for a greater blessing. Do you hear me? And your senses, your flesh will never, ever come into alignment with that. But your faith and your trust in the favor of God will be your anchor and your north star in those moments. Do you get that? It will be a choice to believe right now, even though I can't see it, I believe that he is making a way for me. It looks like it's going backward in the natural, but God, remember the acrostics, you're going to see one in a minute, like God is always working here. He's, and it's only ever favor. It's only ever goodness. It's only ever what Jesus promised, which was life in all of its fullness. But I'll tell you why most believers today get derailed, because they're too emotional, they're too fleshly, they're too human, and we put faith to the side because our emotions take charge. And it destroys you, your relationships, your faith, and your expectation. And God says you've got in these days, in every circumstance, to understand that that is not the, what God has. That's a, the work of the enemy. Do you get that? The work of the enemy is not to try to run you off the road in your car. It's to cause you to doubt that Jesus is who he is and he has promised what he has promised. Do you get that? And when you doubt that, you can only turn to your flesh. And what does the flesh do? Starts the process of killing you. Do you see what the enemy's up to? That's why I love grace. Just keep lifting up Jesus. Keep celebrating his goodness. Keep celebrating. Even though my heart sometimes doesn't feel it and my emotions are all over the place, there is one truth and it's what, who he is and what he has done. 
And so in every situation, my first response will be, what does he say about it? Because look at this. Uh, do you know during this time, there was another king? There was a Persian king called King Cyrus. And he was uh, the predecessor of the king in this story. And he had actually made a decree that allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem. Uh, you can read that in the book of Ezra. Uh, but these Jews, so remember Ezra and Nehemiah rebuilding all that kind of stuff? Well, that was, that was uh, King Cyrus who had allowed that to happen. But Judea is now under the kingdom of Persia, okay? And so even though he had decreed that the Jews would be okay, now he's in a, they're in a position where actually, you know, flip me. Like going way back, the, the king said, no, they're going to be fine. And now they're in a position where they're going to get killed, right? And so, because this is after Ezra and Nehemiah and that kind of stuff. But you know what's happening? Things, look at this. Things are going sideways quickly in the natural world. But what's God doing? He's putting Esther in place. He's, remember I told you he directs when the cross that goes forward? Yahweh, you know, remember all that? Yahweh going forward, right? So he's directing. So when the things are sliding this way, you either put your attention on that or you go, what is the Lord up to right now? Because he's, he's putting Esther in place. You know, he always used things like to, to change entire destinies, like, like a crying baby to change the destiny of a nation with Moses. You know, it's like all, all this kind of stuff. It's like there's always something, there's always two things going on at the same time. It's either what we see with our eyes and our senses or we see spiritually in faith what the Lord is doing. And do you know where your peace of mind will come from? Just what you put your attention to. That's it. And what I want to say to you in that, right, is whenever things are sliding this way and seem to be going backwards and you put your attention on the Lord and go, what is he doing? He's going to ask you in that to trust him and probably do something on the basis, on the basis of faith. Do you get that? Let me explain it. I'll be really honest with you. My mortgage at home has more than doubled in the last 18 months. Anybody? Like when I say more than doubled, it's more than double what I was paying. That's mental, isn't it? Okay. So what, what do you do? Because uh, So people like... Um, so that's why you get two for 20 quid money joking, right? <laughs> that's such a joke. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I'll be selling a whole, listen, it'll be a New York Times bestseller to clear. <laughs> yeah, anyway, funny. Um, <laughs> I am joking, by the way, right? <laughs> um, do you know what? I probably should preach like this, shouldn't I? So as I was saying, get Paul Jordan to do some subliminal messaging for the online people. So as I was saying... Um, Something about Esther, who knows? So I'm only kidding. The, <laughs> what was I talking about? Yeah. So, so, so what happens there is you look in the natural at something going this way. And so you're, you're it's like God's promise in my life of favor and da-da-da, and the world is pushing it left. And so I've got to make a choice on what favor looks like up here. You get that? Like that's real. Okay. And so what happens is for me, you then have to respond because the flesh will say what? Stop giving, stop sowing, stop being generous, stop being all of that. Why? Because you, what does the flesh say? Look after you, put you first. You're screwed. You get that? Oh, you don't know what's going to happen. Oh, look after you. Oh, you can't afford it. You'll never make ends meet. You get me? What's that the voice of? The flesh. Is that the enemy beating down your door with a hatchet, wanting to cut your head off? No. What's he doing? Subtly speaking to your heart, undermining what? 
the goodness of God to get you to bow to the flesh. And what does the Lord say? So here, here's my third point. My third point is this, okay? Whenever God asks you to do something, whenever God speaks to you, you have to understand that he's setting you up for blessing. Let me say that again. He's setting you up for blessing. And that's why your view has got to be the grace and the favor of God. Because the grace and the favor of God is not limited in any way to, the, to what happens in the world. Do you get that? And if you only see it with your natural senses, you're going to miss what God is doing. Because when he speaks, every time he speaks into your life, it is a platform to, for commanded blessing in your life. Do you get that? He's saying, get your eyes off yourself. Trust me. Trust in my favor. Get a big view of who I am. And then, you know, your emotions are going to be up and down like a fiddler's, right? We would all do way better to stop listening to the emotions that go through our heads in any one day. Because it's wrecking some people, right? Running right in their heads. Like, as, I think my granny used to say, heads full of wee sweetie mice. Is that the right expression? Yeah. Sweetie mice? Something like that. Do you understand what that means? No? I don't understand it either. I think it just means your head goes a wee bit all over the place. Heads full of sweetie mice, right? And some of us would be better to, to stop that, right? Because, and remember this, even though I can't see it, grace says he only ever works for my favor and my goodness, only ever. Grace to grace, glory to glory. So when he asks you to do something, he's setting you up for blessing. Do you want to see it in the, in the word? Let's read it here. Uh, we'll, go, we'll go five through seven in Esther three. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay, pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. So, oh, I could get him, but I could get all his people too. Whoa, da, da, da. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all of the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Azarias, the people of Mordecai. In the first month, which is the 12th month of Nisan, in the 12th year of King Azarias, they cast Pur, that is the lot, before Haman to determine the day and the month. Right? And that's where they come up with the 13th day of the 12th month in Adar. Now, what happens here is that Haman then succeeds in persuading the king to approve that written decree, which can't be overwhelmed, and they start to plan and plot around this date. Now, let me keep reading. In Esther 4, let's go through this, because Mordecai hears about this. Mordecai hears what Haman's planning, and this is what he says to Esther. When Mordecai heard of the decree against the Jews, he tore his clothes. He put on sackcloth and ashes and sent a message to Esther. For if you remain completely silent at this time, he says... Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews, but from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. I, there's something about this, right? Where I'm going to say this, because this struck me for myself this week as I was looking over this. Do you know the plan and the purpose of God for his church and everything else? There's nothing's going to wreck that. Do you get that? Why? Because the church, God's people on this earth, is an unstoppable force with Jesus at the head. Do you understand that? Jesus is the head of the church. The church is his bride. The church is called not as a club, but as a people on mission and purpose to see men, women, and children brought into the wonderful gospel of grace and have their lives changed around forever. It's not somewhere where we come just because it's comfortable. All right? That's the flesh. And what's really interesting here, there was something for me where, you know, like almost like the Lord calling up in you to go, my, I'm going to fulfill my purpose. Do you want to be part of it or not? <laughs> I was like, in, in, the, in, the, in the years that I have left, 
what do I want? Because the Lord says, I'm doing it anyway. I'm building my church. I am saving people. I am healing them. I am restoring them. For this purpose, I so love the world that I gave my son, and I am not stopping until he comes back again. I'm still in the business of saving. I'm still in the business of turning lives around. I'm still in the business of redeeming. That's what I do. Now, Andrew, do you want your emotions to hijack that? Do you want to miss out on the greatest adventure that you were ever created for because you're just not feeling it or someone hurt you or whatever it happens to be? Or do you just want to live by the flesh and your emotions and live up and down just like the world? Because if you're going to do that, I will love you anyway, the Lord says. I will bless you anyway. I will keep my hand on you, but you're going to miss out and I'm going to build anyway. So why don't you build with me, the Lord says. Do you get that? He's building his church. And the Lord said to me this week, Andrew, what is your life for? Honestly, what's it all about? Ask yourself that question. What is it all about? It's not to hang on and get to glory. It's to build the greatest thing that ever, ever will impact eternity for the lives of men and women. That's God's church. And he's put you here this morning for that purpose. Do you get that? So that we see grace change this place. That rhymes, and I didn't even mean it to you. That's a proper T.D. Jakes moment right there, isn't it? Sort of Belfast pasty T.D. Jakes moment. But there you go. Because it, it really struck me. He, he comes along, he, Mordecai goes, this is Jesus. Remember the picture of Jesus saying to, to the one who's chosen, listen, pay attention. Because you, you know the amazing thing about common grace, as the Bible describes it, the grace that he pulls out in all of us, he will never change it. But he calls you up to, to grace upon grace. Do you get that? And he goes, grace upon grace is in those areas, those times, whenever you are building and working and fulfilling the purpose for which I created you. Do you get that? Why put breath in you? And if you're not going to do it, you know what? There's somebody there who's going to do it. And even the rocks will cry out, the Lord said. Why? Because he's building his church. Why? Because he wants to save everyone. That's what it's about. And that's just a, probably another, another sermon. But who knows, Mordecai goes on to say here, whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go. So here's her response in faith, right? When God asks her, when, when Mordecai comes, the picture of Jesus comes and says, hey, Esther, for such a time as this, this is your time. This is why God has placed you here. This is why God has called you here. This is why out of all overwhelming odds, God has brought you to this place. That's your story. Do you get that? You know the overwhelming odds of you being here right now at this time in this place are staggering, but we just take it for granted. You could have been snuffed out years ago. In fact, many of you might not even have made it past your teens if it hadn't been for the hand of God in your life. And he says, look what I've brought you to for this time. So lift up your head, get out of the flesh and say, yes, Lord, to your favor, right? Because at such a time as this and her response, right? When God asks you to do something, he's setting you up for blessing. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. Come into that next week, uh, the week after. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. This is crazy, do you know to walk into the presence of the king without being an invite was instant death? We worry about what people think and we worry about this, that, and the other. Esther goes, for this time you have called me to save my people and she's going to walk into the presence of the king. You don't do that. It's literally, he, you get killed for that. You don't even get close to him. They were kind of protective of themselves, you know? It's like you know, somebody would come up and, rrr, rrr, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right? That was stabbing. I don't know. I don't actually know what happened there, but that was my attempt at... 
you'll never have to worry if I come at you with a knife, clearly, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. But I'll go to the king, and if I perish, I'll perish. So Mordecai went his way and, according, and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Oh man, see if God allows you to be used in doing something, consider it a privilege, will you? Because he's positioning you to get blessed. Every time. Help's going to come from somewhere if you don't want to do the job, right? But just think of the blessing that he's setting you up for every time he speaks. So whenever he says, be generous in your giving, right? Even though my mortgage is going this way, right? Be generous in your giving. Why? My only, in the flesh, I go, not a chance. But in the favor of God, I go, he's setting me up here. Can I say it? No, but in faith, I believe it. So what I'm going to do, go with the flesh or go with what the favor of God says in my life? Even at my young, tender age, I have done enough of the flesh to have learned by this stage that it just doesn't flip and work. Anybody? It just doesn't work. Some of you still are like, you know, you know when Lazarus is in the tomb? You can read this in this book. When Lazarus is in the tomb, I've got to stop doing that because I really don't mean it. But when, when, when I'm in the tomb, when I'm in the tomb, I'll do it only this week for a bit of crack. But when Lazarus, you know Lazarus in the tomb, he's dead four days and, you know, Mary and Martha, different responses, but they're standing and Jesus said, I told you he's not going to be dead. Roll away the stone. And she goes, are you sure? <laughs> Roll away the stone. Uh, like, Lord, are you sure? Right? We stand with grace in us and beside us and we look at the impossible and our response is a wee bit like them. Even when Jesus says, roll it away, we go, are you sure you know what you're talking about? And the Lord goes, honestly, roll it away. And where there's death, life comes. He's commanding blessing over you, folks. Some of you need a change in perspective. Some of you have doubted that whenever God speaks, that it's actually about pain and suffering and making things worse. And by the skin of your teeth, you'll maybe get through, but you'll be on your hands and knees dragging yourself through. No, that is a lie of the enemy. You are children of God with the favor of God in your life. He has called you the head and not the tail. You are overcomers in this world. According to Romans 5, you reign like kings in this world. Some of us need a change in perspective. Let me just get, can I just do one more point? Are you bored? I can finish like if you want. Let me just give you one more point. I'm loving it. Okay. We're going to, in my last one, I'm going to talk about how when the enemy plots evil, the Lord turns it all for good. But there's something here about God's timing, which is always perfect. Because... The story of Esther reminds us to turn our eyes to the favor of God, but then to listen, to pray, and wait. Let me explain it. Excuse me. When Esther hears of this approach of Haman to destroy the Jews and massacre them, she didn't instantly jump up and run to the king. Do you notice that? She didn't have a fleshly response to what God had spoken in grace. Let me explain that to you. Sometimes whenever God speaks something over your life, okay, like you are blessed and you're favored, what we do is we then kind of, either we do nothing with that, which I think is cardinal, but I think also like what we can do is we can operate outside of wisdom. Do you get that? What, one, of the, one of the tricks, if you like, or one of the, the, key, the keys, not the tricks, flipping Laura, um, one of the, the keys is this, 
is look at how Esther does this. Because when Esther hears and she goes, I'm going to go to the king and if I perish, I perish. What does she say before? Okay, God, you've called me for this. You've put me here. For this time, I'm going to go. But first of all, here's what I want. Get people around to pray and to fast. Now, again, this is in the Old Covenant. It's not in the New Covenant. It's in the Old. But what was interesting there was that there was, rather than jumping up and being impetuous, she prays and fasts and waits on, on God to prompt her to, as she hears it on how to, when to approach the king and how to approach him. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Whenever God speaks into your life a promise over your life, all right, I've had people who just at a top level go, ah, oh, brilliant, doesn't matter what I do, brilliant, poof, right? And you can't go, no, no, no. You're led by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, in a really good book called I Am, I talk about how every, every good shepherd, see? I, I talk about how every single one of us can hear God's voice. Every single one of you in this room can hear the voice of God. It's not for the super people. It's not for the superstars. If you are in Jesus today, you've got the Holy Spirit in you and truth calls out to truth. You can hear him. Right? Now you might want to drown his voice out with the flesh and a million other voices. The opinion of this, the opinion of that, the opinion of the other. What I would say is when the Lord speaks to you and he's speaking grace to you, take a moment Pray and wait and say, Lord, with that, what do I do? How, do, how do I respond with that word that you've given me? Do you get that? I think if Esther had gone in like full on here, it would have turned out differently. Because I'll, I'll explain this in the last week. I'll just set it up. Because you know what's happening when the Jews fast and prayed? You all know the story, don't you? So Esther goes, what we need is we need to pray here. We need to wait and hear the Lord about the right way to do it. And as they start to pray, God starts to speak to the king. Isn't it amazing? You see, God just won't give you the promise. He will lead you into the promise if you listen to what he says. Do you get that? He just doesn't go, there's the promised land. He goes, let me lead you there and you all hear his voice. Because what happened, I think if she had preempted this, him or the king's heart wasn't ready. So the people pray. And as they're praying, in rooms that she cannot see and rooms that she has not yet entered, the Lord is at work and speaking and speaking and speaking and changing the heart of the one who will be used by God to save the people. Do you get that? What I'm saying to you is this. See, if God's spoken a promise over your family, over a member or whatever, right? When you hear that promise, take it to the Lord again and say, Lord, what do I do with this? Pray and wait on God because he's moving in that situation. I think what we do is sometimes we get the promise and we think we've got to work it out. Do you get that? We don't. We have to take the promise, say, thank you, yes, and amen. Now, what do I do with what you have given me? And in faith, I'll respond and boom, and God is working. He's commanding blessing over you and he's setting you up for blessing. So listen, listen. Amen? You encourage this morning, church? Okay. What I want you to do, I want you to close your eyes. The girls are going to get up ready to, to worship. Just close your eyes and sit where you are for a moment.
going to take a moment to be still in this place this morning and say, Father, I thank you that for your word this morning, we love and we honor your word. Psalm 107, 20 says that you send out your word and it heals us and delivers us. I speak healing and deliverance over the people of God in this place, people online watching. I pray that this morning the Holy Spirit would show you grace upon grace in this place. Father, I thank you in every situation this morning. Father, I I just speak that change of perspective in the hearts and in the minds of everyone here today. Lord, where we have been, our path and our trajectory has been one of the flesh and our senses. Father, I pray this morning that we would see again that you are trustworthy, that you are always working for us. Lord, that even when it seems to be going backwards, even when it seems to be sliding the wrong way, Father, we put our faith and our attention and our hearts fully and squarely on you and who you are. Jesus, because you are our rock, you are our safe place, you are our refuge. As it says in Psalm 62, let me read it over you. I depend on God alone. I put my hope in him. He alone protects and saves me. He is my defender and I shall never be defeated. My salvation and honor depend on God. He is my strong protector. He is my shelter. Trust in God at all times, my people. Tell him all of your troubles because he is your refuge. And so I speak that over, over every life and every heart. Situations today where the Lord's been speaking to you and bringing up to you things that you've thought about. He's not doing it to, to torture you or to make it difficult. He's doing it because he loves you and he's setting you up for blessing. And so I speak that this week over you. Don't need to shout and roar and get on. We don't need to rend the heavens. We don't need to plunder the heavens because grace has done it all. And so in faith, we speak it and we believe it. We speak for healing and turnaround. We speak for salvation. We speak for hope. We speak against every fear. We speak against everything that has been working against you. And we pray right now in faith that this week is a week of commanded blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to take communion together. What's the last song? What? You know, um, oh, look at that. I got double bread today. <laughs> Amen. Double portion. Double portion. Thank God. Um, so, Father, we thank you. Honestly, in this moment, let's not rush past this. If you're sick this morning, I want to encourage you to, in this moment, believe that as you eat, that there is the healing power of God flowing in your body, over your heart and your stomach, over your bones, over your um, ligaments, over your back, over your knees, over your head, over your thinking, over your hormones, whatever it is, right now in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the healer. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for 
minister in your healing right now. And we eat, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that your body broken for us is our healing. The word says that by your stripes, Father, we are healed. And so we receive today and we eat today. Knowing, Jesus, that in this place, that you are, you're only ever our healer. And so we believe that this morning. We receive it and we eat in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you as well for the truth that we are righteous. Righteous just means completely acceptable to God. We thank you, Father, that that is your gift. Lord, we thank you that you didn't save us out of sin to keep us locked in sin. You set us free from the sin of the power of the sin of, of, of sin and death. Father, we thank you that evil and all of its consequences, Father, we can stand today and claim your protection from them, your deliverance from them, and your restoration from them. And so, Father, we drink today because of your blood poured out. And we say, Father, thank you for the safety and protection that we get from being your children. Lord, thank you that your hand is on us and on our kids and on our our parents and on our aunts and uncles and everything else, Lord. We are safe and protected. And so we drink, Lord, and we say yes and amen. Amen. Now we're going to sing um, a song of worship. We're going to lift our, our offering as we do that. And uh, I want to encourage you to be generous in your giving. As we take this message of God's grace, we get it to as many people as we can. As we start to sow into our future, um, we'd encourage you to be generous in, in how you give. Bring your tithes, bring your offerings, and say, Lord, I trust you in a world which go sideways. Father, we put our eyes and our attention on the favor of God. And we thank you, Father, that every need we have is oversupplied in Jesus' name. Amen, church.